Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Lord. Feel the presence of the Lord in this room today. We're living in strategic times. By the way, Sally, I see you back too. I love you. Good to see you back, church. You and Wayman love you. Listen to me. It's never been a more critical hour than what we stand in as the church. Never been. I don't I don't often say a whole lot, but I I feel that I need to say a couple things today. And I don't want to turn this pulpit into a political agenda, and that's not what it's about. Please understand me. But this is this is an important week, and it's an important time. One of the blessed freedoms that we have in America is that we get to go to the polls, and we, need, we get to vote. There's an old saying that says this, all it takes for evil to prevail is for good people to keep silent. And I thoroughly believe that. And I am not standing here today as a Democrat or Republican or an Independent or a Libertarian. That's not what I'm saying to you today. I would never tell anybody how to vote unless you ask me, and then I will tell you how to vote. But I will say this to you today. Please be cognizant of the principles of the Word of God. We are not electing a pastor. We are electing senators and congressmen and judges and DAs and presidents. And that's what we're doing. We're not... You'll never find anybody that believes everything you believe. But here's what I admonish you to do as a Christian. Check them by the principles of the Word of God. If they are defying the principles that are of the Word of God, you better back off of that. You better leave that alone because, in my opinion, when you vote for that, you are voting for sin to prevail in America. And America does not need that. America needs somebody that will stand on the founding principles of our nation and the forefathers that wrote a constitution that was grounded and principled by the Word of God. I, I probably am going to get in trouble today for saying all this. I'm not here to tell you how, but I'm here to tell you to pray before you walk behind the curtain. And before you pull a lever, pray that God would give you insight to the best thing for this nation. Does anybody agree with me today? Does anybody agree? There's just some, you know what the Bible said? The Bible said that a nation that forgets God is in trouble. In trouble. So I'm not here politicking for anybody. I'm not even standing here. I'm standing here as a preacher today. I was in a meeting a few days ago. I was invited to a meeting and, uh, and, and it was a man that just talked. I'd never seen him before. He's written books. He's obviously very famous. He, he now works for, I think, Newt Gingrich. He used to work for Ted Cruz. But he just talked to the, to the ministry that was in that meeting saying that it lies, 
it lies upon the shoulders of good people and honest people and, and even the ministry to stand up and say, look, this is why we believe what we believe and to encourage people to vote by the principles of the word of God. Does anybody want America to stay on the right course? Our parish, our city, our state, we want to stay on the right course. And so pray before you vote. Sermon number one. Everybody say, that's good, Pastor. If you don't believe that, don't tell me because I think it's good. Amen. I'm reading today from Matthew chapter 16. Somebody stand with me and let's read the word of the Lord together. Just a short scripture, but I want to read it today. My subject this morning is why I love my church. Why I love my church. Wow. I feel the Holy Ghost even when I say that because I want to tell you, I'm going to preach a little bit about the church today. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus was talking in verse 18. He had just asked his disciples, he said, whom do men say that I am? And somebody said, well, I heard one say you were Elias and another say you were Jeremiah. And he said, but whom do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter that stood up and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And then he said this in verse 18. Here's my text today. And Jesus said, And I say unto thee, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Upon this rock, what rock? Upon the faith of Simon Peter and upon the revelation of who he was. Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God bless you. You may be seated today. And so then he took that same time and scripture, just put the next verse up for me if you will. I'm not going to try to look it up in my Bible. But he said to Peter, I am going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. And whatsoever you bind on earth is going to be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you loose on earth is going to be loosed in heaven. He handed literally the keys to the kingdom of God to Simon Peter. Now, I want to preach to you for just a little while. I'll come back to this in a few minutes. But I want to tell you that the church is not an afterthought of God. The church was in the mind of God from the very beginning of creation when he made a man. How do I know that? Because Revelation talks about this being the plan of God from the foundation of the world. He knew that man would sin. He knew that we would all come to be sinners. And I don't know if you like it or not. Really don't matter if you like it or not. But the facts are we're all sinners and we're only saved by the grace of God. Can you say amen? We're not here because we're good. We're here because of God's grace. We're not here because we've done anything fantastic in life. We're here because the Lord brought us in. Now, the, the, the church of the living God. Here's the way I preach it in this church. And I believe this. And I believe that I can back this up by the scriptures. I believe that God ought to be first in your life. I believe your family ought to be second. And I believe your church ought to be third. In that order. 
Does anybody believe that today? Because God made a man, and then he made a family, and then he created the church. The church was not, it was not some thought of God when Adam had sinned. He knew Adam and Eve were going to fall in the garden, and they did. It was in the garden of Eden Eden where everything was in perfection, that, that Adam and Eve partook of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It was there that sin was was entered into the heart of man. And the Bible said, by one man's sin entered into this world. So we understand that when Adam and Eve committed sin in the garden, that they brought all of mankind down. At that point, there was no death. There was no there was no problems. There was no horrific chaos in the world. It was a place of peace and serenity in a garden called the Garden of Eden where God had placed mankind and he named the animals. He was living life as, as it should be. And, and, and then man fell. And because man fell, there came a curse to man and a curse to woman in childbearing and a curse to the devil. I'm here to tell you that when God entered the curse in the beginning of Genesis, that that curse was to last a lifetime. We have all sinned, the scripture said, and come short of the glory of God. It was David that said, I was born in sin. and I was born in, in sin and, and, and my mother conceived me in sin. I, I didn't get here being a pure and perfect child. I was born in a sinful world with a sinful nature. But because there was sin, the Lord had to have a redemption plan. And we understand and we believe and we know that God was made flesh through the man Jesus Christ. And he came and dwelt 33 and a half years upon this earth. It was It was while he was on this earth that he brought the church to pass. He said, he in his ministry said, I am going to build my church. Everybody say it's his church. It's not your church. Even though we put out our little yard signs this month and put our bumper, our window stickers on and wear our t-shirts that says, I love my church. It's not your church. He bought it with his own blood. He purchased it at Calvary. He said, I am gonna be the author and the finisher of faith. I am going to build a church in the earth. I got to looking this morning. There is no mention of church in the Old Testament, not one time. Not one time is there the word church in the Old Testament. You know why? Because the church didn't begin until the New Testament. But in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had ascended and had sent his, his disciples back to Jerusalem to tarry for the promise that he had given them, it was in Acts chapter 2 when the Bible said when the day of Pentecost was fully come they were all with one accord and in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind it filled all the house where they were sitting and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire and it set upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. 
Ladies and gentlemen, 95% of the world that has anything to do with religion will tell you that this was the birthday of the church. This is how the church started. It started in Acts chapter two. Well, I just got, I'm brave enough to stand here and tell you on a Sunday morning that what the church started with, the church ought to still have. And where the church came from, the church ought to still be. There ought to still be signs and wonders and miracles and power and glory and anointing come upon the church. And I believe it does in 2020. Somebody shout amen. If you skip on down and you read, well, first of all, let me explain to you what happened in Acts chapter two when these people had received the promise that Jesus had given them. You can go back and look. You can find it in Matthew chapter three when he said, John's gonna baptize you with water, but I'm going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire. You can find it in Luke 24 where he said, go to Jerusalem until you're tarried and there you're gonna receive the promise of the Father. Why, why was this happening in Acts chapter two? Because the Lord was about to create and build the greatest entity that he has ever made. He made the world, but inside the world, he made the church. And the church is the apple of his eye. And the church is his body. The church is his blood. The church is his bride. The church is his every. He, he, don't, he don't put anything in the scripture, in the New Testament, above the church. The church was not just, not just something that God said, well, okay, now men's messed up, so I'm coming. No, no, no. He knew it from the beginning, and that's why the Lord put on flesh. There are not two gods. There are not three gods. There's only one God. He was God the Spirit until Matthew, until he came in the form of a baby in a manger, and the Bible said he was called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. Come on, somebody. We believe that he, Jesus Christ, was truly God and truly man. So he, he promised it. He prophesied about it in Matthew 16. He even gave Peter the keys to the kingdom. Peter, the key. Listen to me. Peter, Peter failed God. Peter denied God. Peter cursed. Peter said, I don't know him. But Peter was the one, if you pardon me just a moment, that had the keys to the kingdom of, of heaven in his hands. The Lord said, I'm handing them to you, Simon. And whatever you loose on this earth, I am going to loose in heaven. And whatever you bind on this earth, I am going to bind in heaven. Well, let me just take you to Acts chapter two, where he baptized them with the promise you know how I know that? Because Jesus said that. When those came wandering, men from every nation, and they heard them speak in their own tongue, they thought they were drunk, and they said, how are these men drunk? Seeing it's only the third hour of the day. It was nine o'clock in the morning. And Peter, Peter, keep my verses up there. I didn't give them all to you. Just keep them up. You know where I'm at, about 14 or so of Acts chapter two. Peter standing up with the 11. Peter, it named Peter, and then it said the other 11. You know why I named Peter? He had the keys. Then Peter stood up, 
And you know what he preached? He didn't preach about the Wall Street Journal. He didn't preach about USA Today. He didn't get into politics. He didn't get, you know what he preached? Christ and him crucified. He he preached Christ and him crucified. And when he got through preaching in verse 37, Acts chapter two and verse 37, Peter, Peter said, they said to him, men and brethren, the Bible said they they were moved and and they, they they were shaken. If you want to know the truth, they were convicted. And the Bible said, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? Isn't this simple? I'm about to preach on why I love my church. Because Peter said, repent, Acts 2.38. Repent. Somebody say repent. Somebody say be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and you shall, where y'all at? You shall Receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. He took the key and he stuck it in the door and he said, this is how you you get in the church. This, This is it right here. This is what you have to do to be a part of God's church. I didn't say that. Simon Peter who had the keys. I'm just preaching the Bible. He said, this is what you need to do. And then if you read on down, he said, for the promise, the promise is unto you and it's unto your children and to all those that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And he didn't stop. He said, with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourself. Somebody shout, save yourself. Save yourself from this untoward generation. If you read on down in verse 46, the Bible said they those people continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. Watch this. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Wow. So, Here's why I love my church. Now, that's the beginning. And if you read the book of Acts, miracles, signs, people being released out of prison by miracle hand of God, demons being cast out, people getting up. One man fell out of a window church was so long and died and they had to revive him with prayer. You think I'm kidding, go read the book of Acts. That's the church I don't want to be a part of. That when it goes so long, people start falling asleep and falling out. You won't fall asleep here. I may have to do a backflip over your church, over your bench, but you ain't going to sleep here. So the book of Acts, you go study the scriptures. The first sermon I preached here in 1989 when I came here on a Sunday morning to accept being a co-pastor of this church was the book with no amen. 
You know what it was? It was about the book of Acts because all those other epistles and the th- uh, go read almost everything in the New Testament. It says amen at the bu- at the end of the at, at the end of that book. But at the end of Acts, it don't have an amen. You know why? Because it is a continuation of the church. The church has got to continue being what it was born to be. Now this is why I love this church and I love my church. I'm gonna call it my church. Although we know the original owner is Jesus Christ. He let me be a part of it. He let me be involved in it. He put me in it at an early age. As a matter of fact, let me, I'm going to just give you my testimony. You've heard all these other folks and I loved every minute of that. Wow. That's awesome. The young, the old, those that have been here 30 years, those that have been here one year, and there's a lot of testimonies that you're going to hear over the next few weeks. But let me tell you, I was born into the home of godly parents, and I was taken to church at an early age. I can't hardly remember missing church. As a matter of fact, one time I had the flu and had it bad. They called it back then. I don't know what the Asian flu is. If that's That may be close to COVID. I don't know. But I had the Asian flu. And I cried and kicked and screamed until my mama took me and wrapped me up and set me on the back bench and said, y'all don't get near him. He's got the flu. But he wouldn't stay home. I love the house of God. Let me tell you what the church has done for me. I've never been on drugs. I've never had one drop of alcohol. I don't know about being involved with nicotine. I'd have never been to filthy movies. I don't know about the things that this old world knows about. But I know about God placing his hand on your life and letting me walk in the grace of God. He didn't save me out of it. He saved me from it. I never got there because of the church of the living God. I remember the Sunday school classes. I remember the youth groups. I remember the times of praise and worship. Oh, I could testify all day long about the glory of God in my life because that is the part that I love. He put me in the church and he's kept me in the church. Now, if God saved you out of that, that's just as awesome. That's just as great. Shelly's got just as great a testimony as I do. But, but let me tell you today, if he hadn't saved you out of that, you got to get ready because you need to be a part of the church of the living God. The church, the church. You know what he said about the church? He said in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, now ye are, are the body of Christ. We're the body. He's the head. We're the body. And he said your members in particular. I'm not going to go deep into this today, but somebody is an arm. Had somebody is a finger. Had somebody is a little toe. Had somebody is an eye. Had somebody look, we we're all part of the body. We we're all we're all creatures that have been born of water and spirit and we're here because he brought us into the church and then he created what we call a five-fold ministry to set the church in order and the 28th verse of that chapter says for and God hath sent some in the church first apostles according uh, excuse me secondarily prophets 
thirdly teachers and after that miracles and then gifts of healing and helps and governments and diversities of tongues but he also said in another place I've given you apostles and prophets and pastors and evangelists and teachers all for the perfecting of the saints of God what are you saying pastor I'm saying you ought to thank God every day that he loves this church enough to die for it he bought it with his blood he put it in the earth it's not here for no reason the church is here to fulfill the purpose of God he's the head he's the quarterback he's the sole proprietor he's still calling the plays let me tell you what's going to happen this week in America whatever God wants to happen Amen. I just pray his mind's like mine. I could help him if he'd asked me, but he hadn't asked me. Let me tell you what's going to happen in the church. Exactly what God wants to happen. Hello? Exactly the way the Lord wants it to be. Because he hadn't forgot us. We're the apple of his eye. We are those who have been blood bought. The Bible said, I love this scripture. It said, you are not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, but you are purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He didn't whip out his billfold and say, here, let me just buy this church. He bought this church with blood dripping out of his pure and innocent veins from Calvary's cross. And that blood has restored you and I and saved you and I and brought us to where we are today. He's still the head of the church. You know what Ephesians, Paul said it this way. He was talking to the Ephesians. He said in chapter five and verse 23, for the husband is the head of the wife. I still believe that. All you wimps that didn't say amen, you need to repent. wife and say am I the head one fellow said he ran things around his house vacuum cleaners wash machines <laughs> dishwashers he run things no no no, no, no. Let, me, let me justify and, and tell you where I'm at that don't mean that you're a dictator because here's your here's your line for the Lord said to the husband that you have to love your wife as Christ loved the church and he died for it. You got to be willing to die for your wife. So it's, it's a two-way street here. She won't mind doing what you ask her if you'll love her. Have I ever told y'all about Hazel? I think I have. I know a guy. He's a, he's a good guy. <laughs> but he's, he, he, he's known for just ordering his house. When I say ordering, I mean ordering. I could call his name today, and you might know him. He he's not in this town. He's somewhere else. But, but he's a preacher, and he, uh, it's just been a, a years long that, that people would laugh and say, Hazel, because he'd say, Hazel, get my socks. Hazel, bring my shoes. Let me tell you. I ain't married to Hazel, in case you're wondering. And some of you aren't either. And you might as well admit that. Hazel don't do everything I tell her to. But I love you anyway. 
<laughs> but Hazel, Hazel was just a little puppet on a string, a little servant, if you mind. That's not the way God intended for it to be. Everybody has a role. And I'm not going to go all there like I probably could today. But here's what I'm going to tell you. Christ is the head of the church. If you go read 1 Corinthians 11, it's about headship. God is the head of Christ. Christ is the head of man. Man is the head of woman. You go read that. But here in Ephesians, it said Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. He is the head of everything. And so what, what we have to understand is that we don't really have a say as to where the church goes, what the church does, what the church is. God's got it in his hands. Don't ever say, well, the church is just not as powerful as, as it used to be. Then that's an indictment against God because this is his church. I believe it's as powerful as it ever was. I believe the miracle of God is as great as they ever were. I believe God still does what he's always done because this is his church. Amen. Amen. Here's what's going to happen with the church. The church in this world is going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the rapture of the church. The taking away. The second coming of the Lord, okay? The second coming. Now, there's, there's a lot of scripture here that I could cover. Because I believe, I believe when the Lord comes back, he's going to take people who have been born of water and spirit and are living holy lives. And they are truly called the church. That's what I believe. And, and if you don't believe that, you don't believe the scripture. But here's what the Lord is going to do. There's coming a day when the church age is going to be over. Now, I'm not going to cross with you on your philosophy. You have the right to be wrong, and, uh, and that's fine with me. But here's what I believe. There's a day of the Gentiles that's going to cease in the very near future. The church is going to get out of this world. The church is going to leave here with the sound of a trumpet. And the Antichrist is going to rule and reign. I am a pre-tribulation preacher. I believe, and I've had, you know, I'm not going to fight with you or draw swords. Some of you may believe different. I don't believe the Lord made it as clear as it could have been because he don't really, he don't really want you to know. He said, of that day and that hour, no man is going to know. That's what he said. So here's, here's what I want you to understand. When we leave this earth, he's still going to come again. But he's coming riding on a white horse with saints on white horses. And they're going to come back to Jerusalem to destroy the Antichrist. And I believe that because the scripture said that he hath not appointed us unto wrath, we are going to be caught up together in the air pre-tribulation or at the least mid-tribulation because in the last three and a half years of the Antichrist, the vials of wrath are going to be poured out and I don't believe that God is going 
to bring his church under wrath. The scripture said he hath not appointed us under wrath. So I'm not going to argue when he's coming, but here's what I do want to tell you, that you better be ready whenever it is because when you leave here, the day of the Gentile is over. Somebody said, well, if I don't make the rapture, I just won't take the mark of the beast. Honey, if you can't live for God now, you're not going to live for God in that hour either. Because when you got to have a mark on your hand to buy or sell and your kids are dying of starvation and you don't know where the next meal's coming from, why, if you can't live for God now, do you think you can deny the mark of the beast? That's good preaching whether you believe it or not. And some of you need to hear what I'm saying because I've heard all these philosophies. Well, I'm not really worried about the rapture because if I don't make it, I just won't, I just won't take the mark of the beast. Honey, let me tell you, the day that's coming is a day of wrath. And the Bible said in the, in the judgments of God, hail is gonna fall out of the sky at 96 pounds per piece. The, blood, the water that you turn on in your faucet is one day gonna turn to blood. That's going to come some wrath to this world. And I don't want to be a part of that. That's why I'm glad I'm in the church. Darling, I read the back of the book. And the back of the book said the church is going to be okay. The church is going to win. I don't know what you believe, but I'm glad I have been born of water and spirit. I'm glad that I know who he is because I'm going to be with him when the trump of God shall sound. Here's what Ephesians chapter 5 said later in that chapter. He said, talking about Jesus, do you know at some point in time, Jesus is going to present the church unto himself? That's what's going to happen. Jesus is about to present the church unto himself. Watch this. The Bible said that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word that he might present it to himself. A glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing but it, that it should be holy and without blemish. If you think God is going to put up Oh, listen to me now. If you think he's taken a sick, anemic church back to himself, you're wrong. He's bringing in a church triumphant. He's bringing in a church that's, that's stepped on the head of the devil and that has overcome the world. A church that's been blood-bought. A church that's been baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of every sin. A church that's been blood-bought and filled with the Spirit of God. That's the church that I'm talking about. And he said, I'm going to present it to myself. I'm going to bring it in as a glorious church. It came here in glory. It's going to leave here in glory. And it's going to be glory when it gets to him. All you mully grubbers that say, well, I just don't understand. The church ain't what it used to be. Oh, yes, it is. Oh, yes, it is. Times have changed a lot of things, but it hasn't changed God's mind about his church. Let me tell you about this church. I'm talking about the church in the book of Revelation. 
I'm talking about a church with a firm foundation. The old song says it's been through the fire and the fire couldn't burn it. It's been through the storm and the wind couldn't turn it. It's been fed to the lions and the lions couldn't eat it. It's fought a lot of wars but it's never been defeated. It's called the church triumphant. I'm glad I'm a part of God's church today. I'm glad I know who Jesus is today. The church, the church. Aren't you glad you know who the church is today? You can stand. Let me tell you something. In the most strategic and disastrous times of my life, the church has been there for me. Oh, man. I've told the story many times. Crystal had a wreck when she's just a little girl on a, a three-wheeler. And the, the, the girl that was driving ran off the road and hit the tongue of a trailer, tore her leg all up, and broke it. When they got to her, the bone was literally sticking down in the ground. They called me. I rushed to the hospital. And the doctor come out to me and my wife. It's a true story. No, no, no fabrication. He said, I don't know if we're going to be able to save her leg. And my heart was, she's about 11 years old. My heart was just broken. And I, I just went to prayer. My wife, we started praying. I looked up, and here comes Anthony Mangan and G.A. Mangan. Here comes my dad from Monroe, my mom. Here comes all the saints of the church that I pastored. Man, they packed that hospital. If, if, if you want to see what happens and why the church is valuable, you let one of our bunch get up there. <laughs> they don't like us too much when that happens because we're pretty much there. I remember when Beverly McManus had cancer and was having surgery and the nurse kept coming out and said, y'all have to clear these halls. Said, I don't know how many was in there. You couldn't clear the halls. There wasn't enough places to sit. But that's called the church. Church just standing by one another. So we started praying. And you know what? They told us it'll be several surgeries. We're not going to sore a leg up right now. That dirt got up in that bone. There's probably going to be infection. There's, she was in a, in a cast for six months or so. I don't know. And, and had pins in her legs. She's still got the scars. But today she's walking normal and that leg is saved and everything's okay because of the prayers of the church. Gail, I see you up there. You know why Carolyn Cupid's doing better today? Because of the church. Hallelujah. You know why, Sherry, if you're watching, you know why CL's better today? Because of the church. Because when the church begins to pray for the Lord to have his way, the glory of the Lord is coming down. You look, I can't tell you how valuable the church has been in my when I've been sick, when I've been down, when I've been struggling, when I had addictions, or I'm talking about some of you now, I don't know of any addictions I've ever had unless it's eaten and God hadn't delivered me from that yet. Not sure I want to be delivered. But He delivers and He pulls you out. And the church gets around you. And the church loves on you. And the church cares for you. And the church is a part of your life. And the church is, ha! Ah, I'm telling you right now, I don't know where I'd be without the church. That's why I love the church. I love it because it's right. 
I love it because it's true. I love it because it is the way. But I love it because it loves me. Woo! Anybody testify that the church has been there when you needed them? The church has stood by you? The church has been there? Look, I believe it was 1998. Mom, you can correct me when this is over. She's watching today. But I believe it was 1998. My dad had surgery at open heart surgery. He had, um, he had three pi- bypasses and a valve replaced in his heart. And, and you know, guess what? Here's the room filled. People from everywhere. It was all there. And the nurse came out and called my brother, my sister, my mom. I called us out into a little room. And she said, I got to be honest with you. He did good through the surgery. But we can't get his heart started back. We can't. We don't know if he's going to make it. So, nobody was cursing, raring, saying, get me something to drink. I need some relief. You know what we did? We opened the doors of that little old chapel. And a neighbor across town, Brother Fred Foster, came in about that time. He was my dad's compadre on the district board. He saw where we were, so he came in with us. My mom, myself, my brother, my sister, all of us in the ministry. We knelt down, and we turned that little Catholic chapel into a Pentecostal chapel. (laughs) And there was no Hail Marys, but there was some Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm not making fun. I'm just telling you what we did. We, we did what we knew to do. And we started praying. And the power came down. So help me God, this is the truth. People outside got word. They started praying. And it wasn't but just a few minutes. That little nurse bounced up in there. I can see her right now. She said, hey, hey. It's, his, his heart's beating. He's good. He lived 20 years after that. Let me tell you something. Or for almost 20 years. Maybe 17. Let me tell you, God is something else. You ought to know him through the power of his church. You ought to be involved with him through the power of his church. You ought to have a yard sign in your yard. You ought to have a sticker on your car. You ought to tote your Bible somewhere. You ought to tell somebody, I love my church. Here's why. He brought me out of the miry clay. He set my feet on a rock to stay. Is there anybody that loves their church today? There's a lot of testimonies in here right now. Some of you in your mind are saying, I wish I could tell what he's done for me. I wish I wish that preacher let me have the microphone. You can't have it. I got it today. You can have it next time. But let me just tell you, the church is his idea to save his world. And the purpose of the church is that it is a family of God. Now look, look, listen to me. This is not all the church. This is just a remnant of the church. The church covers the four corners of this earth. There are believers and people of like precious faith that have been born of water and spirit. We don't judge anybody here, okay? If you've got any walk with God at all, thank God for that. Thank God for what you've got. But here's what I want to tell you. He said, except a man is born again of the water and of the Spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. 
I got in by being baptized in the water and the spirit. Thank God for the church. Thank God for the church. Mm-hmm. People have hung on crosses upside down. People have been burned at the stake. People have been thrown over cliffs and been hung. There's been all kind of martyrs that have died for the gospel's sake. For the gospel's sake. And every time the devil thought he had stamped out the church, it's kind of like the book of Acts. I know, I'm over. Y'all got to pay me overtime. Listen, every time they thought they'd stopped the church in the book of Acts with a persecution or a death, he'd look up and he'd pop up somewhere else. It was like hot coals of fire and dry timber. You can't stop the church. Here's why. I close with my scripture today. Because it's not my church. It's his church. And Jesus said, the gates of hell can't prevail against the church that I'm going to build. I'm going to build a church man can't stop. Devils can't stop. The enemy can't stop. The, the all of hell can come against this church and they can't stop what I'm about to do and every time he thinks he's got it stopped look I don't care please understand what I'm about to say I don't care who the president is who the vice president is who the senator is or the DA or the judge nothing is going to stop the church nothing is going to stop the church come on folks let's get radical about what we believe Let's get radical about being the part of the church of the living God. Hallelujah. He brought me out. He set me up. He didn't bring me out to leave me in a wilderness. He brought me out to take me through. I'm a part of the kingdom of God. Are you glad you're in the church today? Give the Lord praise right now all over this house. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you for hearing me out. Thank you for loving your church. And, and then there's so many that do. My, 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 my mind just goes to whirling today when I think about it all. That's why you put your money here. That's why you put your time here. That's why you came here this morning. Because you love the church. The church is it's, it's the people of God. That's why you're here today. I love Jesus, but if you're going to love Jesus, you've got to love his church. Do you hear me? If you're going to love Jesus, you've got to love his church. How do I know that? Because he said, you can't love God whom you have seen or have not seen if you can't love your brother whom you have seen. You've got to love the church because he's the head of the church. Hallelujah. Put your heads up one more time all over this house. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the church. Thank you for what you've given us. We love it, God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We love you with every breath in our body. We love you with every faculty of our body. We love you, Lord, because you bought us with your blood. We thank you for allowing us to be a part of the church of the living God. In Jesus' name, we thank you today. God bless you today to all of our guests. Thank you. We welcome you to come. Now, listen to me right quick, okay? Let me do a couple things before we go. We still have COVID everywhere. There's a lot of it around. So, don't be hugging. Don't be shaking hands. Fist bump somebody, elbow bump somebody. 
Don't get in nobody's face. Come eat a bite of pizza and then get you a free snow cone and go your way and sin no more. I love you. God bless you. Have a great day.